just floating up in dickheads, dreaming about a premiership cup. We love our clubs, but they never win two flags in 100 years. That shit house, if you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case, we'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Thursday, the 5th of May. This is Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And I am Charlie Clawson. And the reason I got that so perfectly right is it's the second time we've done it. Yeah. Man, we had some major, major technical issues. Will and I were taking it in turns to freeze on each other's screens in particularly unflattering poses. Uh, there was one that I got a view on the Skype where I was like, this is one of the most handsome men on television. And if I sent this photo to Sydney Confidential, I think they would just actually take you off home and away. <laughs> They'd be like, we don't want anyone on home and away whose face is even capable of being that ugly. Yeah, I've become the actor in the Iron Mask. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they just lock me in a dungeon underneath Channel 7. One screenshot ruined your entire career. <laughs> Uh, I'm in Western Australia at the moment, uh, doing some shows over here as part of the Perth Comedy Festival. So in the home of the Eagles and Frio, in the West, uh, it's always fun as a footy mm. fan to come over to the West. Uh, it's a bit of a weird feeling over here at the moment with the footy teams, I reckon, because Frio obviously are going so terribly. So there's a bit of depression about that. And I don't know if anyone's mm. quite sure what's happening with West Coast either. So normally when you come over here, they're so pumped about football. But at the moment, there's a kind of unease in the air. It's funny, I've, I've sensed that with West Coast supporters for a few years now. Like, I was over uh, uh, two or three years ago and when the Saints played the Eagles and talking to all their fans then, like, I was, you know, it was a very kind of, it was the opposite of the Collingwood game that you and I went to this year. It was actually a very polite interaction between me and the Eagles fans, I guess because they'd sort of, I'd got tickets through work and they'd invited me to the Eagles president's lunch. And so when I turned up, there was not one other Saints person there. So I immediately went down to the merch stand and bought myself like the loudest St. Kilda scarf I could get and went to the lunch. And I think that got things off to a bad foot because you know at a president's lunch when they'll introduce like guests that they have and when they got to me, like the, the how, there, was, there was kind of polite yet firm booing when they got to me because of my scarf. So by the time I got to the stands, I was like, I don't want to push these people any further. It's been a free ticket. Um, but talking to them back then when I was sort of saying, oh, you've got so many great players, and this is when they were back on their way up again. But they all seem fairly... The attitude of the media towards Eagles now is what I have felt has been coming from Eagles fans for a couple of years yet. They're not sold on that team either. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Like, because they played in the grand final last year. Like, mm. I mean, what, what else What else do they have to do? They're a really yeah, good football team, but yeah, it, it, they're one of the real mysteries, I reckon, of this season. Because they say... By round seven, basically, if you're not in the eight, it's very hard to get in the eight after this. Mm. Are they in the eight, West Coast? They're still, are they yeah. in the eight? Yeah, they'd have to, uh, I yeah. assume so. Michael, could you check that out for us? I'm pretty sure they're in the top eight. Yeah, I'd like to, because they say the current, it'd be great. yeah, they're sixth, okay, at the moment. What is the current eight? If we could see what the, the, the top eight is at the moment, because there's been a lot of stories about the fact that basically it it's really hard for any other team to get in. Yeah. So we've got so, North, Mel- North, North in first place at the moment, yep. Geelong, Geelong, Sydney, yep. the Bulldogs, Greater Western Sydney, West Coast, Adelaide, Hawthorne. Is yep. that your final eight, do you think? Um, well, I think that if Port get a run on, they could get in there. I think Melbourne are only one game 
out of the eight as well. And Melbourne, they had a bad week against us, but they've still got a lot of, you know, I, I think you'll get one of the up and coming teams popping in. I don't know if Port Count is up and coming, but Melbourne, um, Melbourne, I don't know about Gold Coast, but I'd say Melbourne and Port, maybe Gold Coast is a smoky. Who would you drop out of that top eight to get those guys in, though, do you reckon? Who, who's going to drop out if, you, if one of those teams gets in? Um, I guess Hawthorne. Well, they're not in. Are Hawthorne in? Yeah, Hawthorne are in eights at the moment. But you think Hawthorne would miss, might miss the eight? On current form, I mean, that's yeah. a big call. Oh, I don't know what's happened here. I think maybe we should switch to audio only. And we're back, even though you guys didn't know that. Uh, it, the call dropped out yet again, and now we've got rid of video, and we're back to audio. And if this doesn't work, then I guess uh, we'll just record our own podcasts each in each <laughs> other's places and just try to guess what we were both going to say and then just edit that together. Is that how it'll work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> now the way we're doing the podcast, though... It's, uh, it's, it's feel, I feel like I'm a late night DJ taking calls from like angry footy fans. I'm fine because I can't see you. Hey, uh, we've got Will from uh, Footscray on the line. He's got <laughs> some issues about... <laughs> yeah. uh, the thing, you said that Hawthorne on current form might miss the eight. Yeah. But on current form, only if you're talking about a week, really, because they got belted by GWS. And by the way, I know last week you said I made some good footy points, but you saw that GWS thing coming before everybody else did, I think. Like, that's been the story of this week, how good they are. Yeah. But you were Eddie Maguire a week before Eddie Maguire was <laughs> Eddie Maguire. Yeah, I know. Well, it, it's, I, th- I mean, look, everyone's kind of suspected that GWS had this in them. But to see them do it to the reigning premiers, that's when you're like, Oh fuck yeah! These, these, you know, these top twenty draft picks are all men now, and they can they they can play defensively as well as offensively, and it's just they're scary, really scary. Yeah, they they definitely suddenly are one of those teams where you're like, wow, could they win it this year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see how far they get. I reckon. I don't. Yeah, I I reckon maybe they could win a final this year, but I don't know if they could go all the way, all the way to a grand final. Fuck, who knows. I think it's one of those things with them where, you know, you could just imagine... Because they were flying last year until Mummy got hurt and... Until mummy got hurt. That is the name of a footballer. Not until somebody's mummy got hurt. I need to point that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're, they're all a very young team. <laughs> and their mummy got hurt and then they played really badly because they were upset about mummy. Yeah. Um, but yeah... But, but they're a really good team, you know, like, and they're starting to be ready now, I think. Yeah, I mean, the thing the, about um, sort of going back to Hawthorne for a second and, and that GWS game, you said that, you know, they're winning games, which they are, but the statistic that's been coming out this week that everyone's talking about is they've actually lost the contested ball in nearly every game since, I think, round 18 last year. And statistically, teams that lose the contested ball don't win games. So they're saying that maybe Hawthorne got out of jail, you know, two or three times uh, this year, but in going forward, if they don't amend that contested ball thing, that you know they're going to be in real danger. Yeah, I mean they certainly had a really bad run in that period where they lost the contested ball, winning all those finals in the grand final. So, <laughs> <laughs> what a tough run! Bloody yeah. statistics. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's it, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. That to me, they just strike me as you know a, a team now who just don't know how to lose. Like, I think that they've got um, Richmond this week, don't they, Hawthorne? Yeah. Yeah, that... You, that what a terrible yeah. week. Oh, What God. a terrible week for Richmond. That's not what you want, is it? There's a, not at there's all. There's a couple this week 
where you're just like, oh, this is not going to be fun for you. Like, yeah. and the, the other one is Essendon going up against the Swans after the Swans. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. sorry, guys. Um, yeah, now, uh, the other interesting thing about this top eight is that I think for the first time in history, two brothers are one and two on the ladder as coaches, the Scots. Oh, yeah, right. That's interesting. Yeah. Has that probably, yeah. What do, what do you think, like, family dinners are like in the Scott household? <laughs> I mean, I would just say pretty tough. Yes. <laughs> Intense discussions. <laughs> I think, you know, when deciding whether or not, you know, they should uh, cut the cake now at Brad's birthday, I think that him and Chris would get to very serious differences of opinion, don't you? I just sort of see that. I mean, the backyard football and backyard cricket games at that household would have always ended in fights. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny, the Scott brothers went to a school uh, down the road from mine, so... When I was growing up, they were the year above me. I used to hear about them, and they, they were stuff of legend. Like, you didn't want to fuck with the Scott brothers. They were like the tough guys. They were good at footy. They were good at cricket. And they were, there was two of them. <laughs> so if you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you pissed off one, you pissed off the other. So, like, just no one fucking gave them any guff. Well, I mean, the fact that they're twins, the fact that they're brothers... And essentially, in our competition, we've pretty much got like 16 coaches who once were Alistair Clarkson's assistants yeah. and the Scott brothers. <laughs> That's pretty much it. It's true. It's true. That's the predominantly... Is it, so who's the exception? Would be uh, Ross Lyon is an exception. Uh, John Worsfold. Lyon and Worsfold. There's, not, there's and, not many and others. Ruse, Ruse. And Richard... Oh, did Richard I, coach at Hawthorne? He might have, actually. Mm, no, he, yeah, Maybe. Um, I've also got here, Charlie, this mm. is an interesting uh, thing that you might be, in before we get into the games, yeah. is um, one of our listeners has hit us up on the, the TOEFOP Facebook page, because we don't have our own Facebook page yeah. for this podcast, uh, but his name is Mitch Gooding, mm -hmm. and he's doing a, he's doing a, 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 a PhD or something else in statistics, he's studying something in statistics at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, and so he's done, we suggested this uh, in the first episode about the Faux Premiership Cup, which is the idea that uh, the, the title is always on the line. So Hawthorne holds it at the start of the season, but then if Hawthorne gets beaten, the Premiership title goes to that next club and they hold it until they get beaten? Yeah. Okay. He's done the stats on this season. Brilliant. This is, this is, this is who currently holds it. So here we go. Hi, guys. Um, so far this season, the holder of the Faux Premiership has changed hands every game. Wow. Uh, Hawthorne were beaten by Geelong in round one, who yeah. were then beaten by GWS in round two. So GWS held it in round two. They were then beaten by Sydney. So Sydney held it. Uh, they were beaten by Adelaide, Hawthorne, back to GWS last weekend. Wow. So GWS are the current uh, premiers. And a little historical context, only once has there been a longer streak in the history of the game, which was seven games. Uh, the 1996 premiers, North Melbourne, lost to Melbourne in round one in 1997. Then Collingwood, St Kilda, Hawthorne, North Melbourne, and back to Collingwood. So if it goes off this week, it will beat a streak that has not been uh, only uh, one other time in the history of the game. So who have GWS got this week? Michael Frio. Fremantle. Oh. So Well it's not gonna So this yeah. <laughs> the streak will not be broken. <laughs> well 
Well, maybe that's the Ross Lyon motivation that he needs, though. We've got to get this information down to Rossi because the big story this week is like Fremantle have nothing to play for. It's a rebuild year. But if he knew <laughs> that the AFL Premiership was actually on the line the two, the in two this guys, game... Two guys, one cup, cup. The two guys, one cup, cup is on the line this weekend. <laughs> Ross can inspire the troops. Maybe you can bring them down to the show, like point it out, get them fired up and, and, and you know, go for it this weekend. Yeah. Well, they need, some, they need something to... They need something to play for right <laughs> i mean poor old freo geez it's it's one of those things where it's just become now a uh, uh the all the focus has pretty much gone off the team and it's now all gone on, all gone on to ross lyon yeah well i mean i guess that's probably a healthy place for it to be because most of the team isn't playing at the moment i mean yeah. you're talking about the fact you know mummy's still getting rebuilt they've got him up on blocks somewhere where they're whacking in new ribs and cages and stuff mm. like that essentially mean, i think they've got um sandy you said Mummy. they've got Oh, sorry, did I? Yeah. Aaron Sandlands uh, basically is being uh, worked on by a Morton uh, Joe from uh, Mad Max. <laughs> They've just got a whole bunch of extra bits of metal and parts and stuff, and they're trying to rebuild him better than he was. Yeah. There was some... Uh, he had to come out and make a public statement saying that uh, they haven't removed one of his ribs. And it's like... We know, Aaron, because it'd be hanging in a museum somewhere. I bet they did, though. I bet that's a fucking cover-up. I bet he lost the fucking rib and he doesn't want to tell anyone. Maybe they can make a female Aaron Sandilands out of his spare rib, like God did in Genesis. Uh, I like to think that he got it removed like that. Um, remember there's that rumour about Marilyn Manson that he'd had some of his ribs removed so he could blow himself? <laughs> no. Yeah. So, I, I, I like to think that was what it was with, with Sandy. He was like, you're going to be out for the whole season. We're going to have to rebuild your rib cage because of this. And he's like, hey, Doc, while we're in here, uh, I just want to... Re- <laughs> Doc, I'm 211 oh. centimetres tall. Do you know how hard it is for me to get down there? Help a brother out. Help a Sandy out. <laughs> Come on, just two ribs, mate. No one needs to know. I'll deny it. And you can grind up my ribs and sell them to uh, the Chinese as an aphrodisiac. I mean, you could grind, you could keep these ribs and sign, sell them to Chinese as legs. <laughs> um, should we talk about the uh, last week's results? Yeah, let's go through it. Now, you didn't, I didn't see... Oh, by, the, by the way, I should mention I did not see any of the games because I was flying from uh, the US but I've watched a few footy shows this week so I'm kind of across what happened um, I, uh, I managed to I knew that was going to happen so I tried to watch as much as I could uh, the first game was your boys um, going down to North Melbourne uh, pretty good game it was not the game that I was expecting to see it was very uh, defensive it was very much about lockdown kind of inside footy which was interesting because I haven't seen um, the Bulldogs play a lot of that kind of footy this year or North Melbourne for that matter but um, both teams are really good at it. <laughs> it was an interesting, like, when I... Because what happened was, it was a Thursday night, so I hadn't left... Um, it was Thursday night in America when the game was on. Yeah. So I would have had to get up at 2.30 uh, a.m. on a Friday morning to watch the game live. So I thought, you know what, I'll set my alarm for 2.30 and I'll get up. And I, I set the alarm for 2.30 and I was just so tired. I was like, you know what, I'll just want another hour of sleep, then I can get up. And if it's going well, then I'll watch the rest of the game. And I got up an hour later and I went back to bed. <laughs> yeah, I think um, North, uh, North proved two things that, that game, I thought. One was the, the, uh, the lockdown style that they can play because they haven't really played many games like that this year. But the other thing is that forward line. Like it's, in terms of tools, it's as good as any going around, do you reckon? I mean, Jared White 
is playing the best football he's ever played in his entire life. Who, who would have... Like, would you have ever picked that? I mean, obviously somebody at North Melbourne thought there was a chance it might happen, but yeah. I think even North Melbourne must be like, fuck, I didn't know he was going to be this good. <laughs> well, I think from what I've read is uh, Brad Scott was uh, uh, hired this fitness guru from, from South Australia. Uh, this dude he'd been chasing for quite a while to get him in, and that was part of the agreement of getting, getting Jared Waite across, is uh, like, look, you've had lots of injury troubles at Carlton, but we've got this guy who's going to... He will rebuild you and make you stronger. And so now like, the talk is, okay, this dude's going to be very in demand. That's going to be a lot of clubs um, wanting to get this fitness guru over there. I think legit guru, by yeah. the way. Like an actual, not a Stephen Danks type guru, like le- legit no, they, body movement guru. They say it's the reason that so many of their older players are still playing so well is this guy has an amazing capacity to manage the fitness of older players and health of older players. And I actually uh, have seen his secret. Um, he has this swimming pool that's filled <laughs> with alien pods and after the games they just chuck Boomer and Drew Petrie and guys like that in there and they just come out feeling really youthful and yeah. invigorated for the weekend yeah I think they call it the co- they call it the cocoon they say we're in the cocoon <laughs> I think Brad Scott slipped up at his press conference when he said uh, you know the great thing about Jerry getting his body in this shape with our new program is that he'll never get old and he'll never die <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be great if that was North Melbourne's new slogan. You know, like when Collingwood had side by side, yeah. they were like North Melbourne. You'll never get old, and you'll never die. <laughs> <laughs> the Boomer Harvest, Boomer Harvey story. Yeah, it's true. Fuck, you're right. I mean, yeah, they're, they're drink they're drinking from the fountain of youth. Um, the you had concerns about uh, the Bulldogs uh, back line and that kind of proved to be, I think, you know, the major difference between the two. Um, it's just not only are you a bit short down there, but you sort of lacked. I think what you lacked more than um, uh, the skills of Johannesson and, and Murphy was more the leadership down there. It seemed like a very yeah, experienced back line. Yeah. Was Easton Wood playing? Did Easton Wood end up playing or not? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, no, he did. Because that's, I mean, but you're right. Like the decision making of particularly Murphy, but now that you've lost Suckling, who makes such great decisions, like I think Suckling's disposals, like uh, I think those three guys were like top 10 on like accuracy and ball use of disposals in the entire league last year. So right. all three of them. So essentially we've lost three of the best ball users uh, and effective ball users in the entire AFL. So mm. It's, it's going to be a tough little run. But they're optimistic that Joe Hannison might be back a little sooner than they expected because he snuck into North Melbourne's pool. And uh, they Suckling won't be too far away. So yeah. uh, these, ne- these next few weeks are tough for us because I think, I mean, we've got uh, Adelaide this weekend, which is going to be tough. And I think we've got GWS the week after. So it'd be just great if we could get across the line in one of those games to put us in a position when we get some players back. Hopefully in the second half we can make it work a little bit better. Uh, have you recalibrated your expectations for this year then? Yeah, I have, yeah. I mean, I can't see us winning it this year. I'd love to think that we could, but I, I just can't see with the injuries that we've got and that sort of thing that we could win it this year. Um, I think that down front, it looks like we still need, you know, another couple of options. So that Because, I mean, Stringer's had a bit of a tough run of it and 
I know that there's been a lot of articles about the publicity going to his head and stuff, but I think also, you know, he's just missing a couple of bigger bodies down there to mm. take some pressure off him so that he can do some stuff. So I think we need a Boyd or a Red Pass back in there playing good footy. And I think that, like, I mean, obviously, Crammery is the one that I think he's really missing at the moment. So that's a next year sort of thing as well. What's his deal? Is he injured? Who's Cr- Crammery? Crammery's out because of the Essendon thing. Oh, fuck. I f- forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, shit. Yeah, suspended because of fucking Stephen Dank and Hurdy and all those fucking asses. Oh, my God. We should have called this <laughs> podcast Two Guys, Each One Has a Player for Their Team Suspended Because of the Essendon Drug Saga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except that neither of our clubs got to put in replacement players like Essendon did. So, you know, instead you've just got a giant hole where that player used to be. Yeah, shit, man. That's um, uh, Herdy uh, uh, lost his uh, legal battle this week to have his insurance company take care of his legal fees. Um, I think the figure that I saw was almost uh, it was like six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand. So that's seven hundred fifty thousand. Um, I heard. So that's a weekend's work for James. Uh, that's a real shame. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've got to be honest with you. Like, like her, I think this will real. I mean, a it's going to hurt. Herd's future employment prospects in a range of different industries. But B, the actual financial cost of this is it's fucking crazy. Like, the Mm. way that his life has been, you know, destroyed, partly because of his own inactions, but partly because of some other elements Mm. and their determination that they wouldn't sort of, you know, confess to it or say that they'd done the wrong thing. It's It may have destroyed you know, really the life and world of one of the, the greatest players of all time. Yeah, it's it's pretty extraordinary. I mean, I, I, I think that the football community is very forgiving. I mean, he'll come back in some media capacity, but uh, apart from his... Um... Yeah, that's a good point. Let's ask Wayne Carey yeah, what exactly. he thinks about it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, spe- oh, speaking yeah, no. of... of um, uh, we uh, had this uh, the men's health thing on, on Tuesday night. And Campbell Brown was one of the guys who was uh, in the competition as well. So I got to meet Campbell. Oh, okay. Great bloke. Right. A lot of fun. Um, I sort of, you know, how you, when, you <laughs> that, sort of make, when, you're, when you're making small talk and, you know, it's a party. So I say, well, you're going to have a few drinks tonight? And he was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm glad to see meeting you hasn't disappointed <laughs> exactly what I imagined you to be. You, you certainly are. He was, um, yeah, he was, he, he was gearing up. Did he for a use the night. term frothies? No, he didn't use the term frothies. <laughs> but another uh, thing, we were just chatting, I was asking about Siren Gate, because <clears throat> we can get to that in a bit, but um, I was asking him, because I, I didn't realise that the, the allegation was that Sydney were being tactical with that. Is that, yes. was that your understanding? That was the allegation, yes. Okay. They thought it was a tactic. And, and, and how much do you reckon it, that Sydney did do that? Like in terms of percentage, well, what do you reckon? Is it like a, how, what do you feel? 80%, 50% chance they did it? It's hard to tell that one, isn't it? It's like, I don't think that they would have done it to cheat. Because why the fuck would Sydney risk ruining their reputation? Like, you know, like it has even been muddied through this mm. to beat Brisbane. Well, it's not even like, I mean, it wasn't even going to be necessarily the crucial thing. This isn't a final. It doesn't mean anything. They don't have some long-standing rivalry with with Brisbane. Like, there would have been, if they had lost, then that would have been fine. Mm. Like, you know, it it, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. You certainly wouldn't risk your reputation as a football club. But the other side of it is, 
football clubs do whatever they can to get an advantage. So yeah. who fucking knows? Yeah. You know. So what you're saying is you don't think Sydney uh, did it as a tactical move? I don't think they did. Or if they did, I don't think they like conspired to cheat. Somebody might have gone, send out the stretcher, you know, like instinctively. But um, but anyway, the, the, the problem is with the rules as far as like the, the umpires just got it wrong. Like the AFL have said that. If the umpires hadn't got it wrong, it wouldn't have mattered whether Sydney asked for it or not. Yeah. Well, Campbell, Gra- Campbell Brown disagrees with you. <laughs> he thought it was pretty sh- open and shut. He's like, oh, yeah, they did it for sure, 100%. I was like, really? He's like, oh, yeah. Wouldn't be surprised at all. It's like, okay. Campbell Brown had a lot of opinions on uh, the verdict, that TV panel show with Mark Latham and Carl <laughs> Stefanovic that I also didn't agree with. So <laughs> this, actually, this, this actually checks out pretty well. It yeah. does seem like Campbell Brown and I would not be on the same page on most things. <laughs> uh, the next game, uh, the Mighty Saints bounce back um, uh, against a, a pretty... Well, you would say disappointing, but it's kind of like it was it was expected from Melbourne, right? Like they uh, three in a row just got too much. Well, as I said last week, we just don't know how they handle the pressure of three in a row. I mean, we saw what two in a row did to them for eighteen years. Mm. So let's let's three in a row might be a little bit too much. But the other thing is, as I've kept saying this season. I don't think the Saints are as bad as what people think they are. Yeah. I have a lot of faith in the Saints. I was uh, I was very uh, in the doldrums last week after uh, the GWS game, but you actually talked me around. You made a lot of good points, but the one thing I kind of realised from watching that Melbourne game is, oh, it's not that we're a bad team, it's just we're a young team and we're going to be up and down. Like, you know, we'll probably lose a few games this year against teams we should beat. It's just the... It's just the nature of having all those young players in. Like when it clicks, it clicks really well and there's all this potential and stuff, but then they just don't have that, you know, we've got a lot of guys who are still under 50 games. They just don't have that kind of experience um, to string Well, that's a GWS thing. Like they've always had gun players, but Mm. with gun young players, some weeks you're the best team in the entire league and some weeks it just doesn't work for whatever reason. And that's why those experienced teams, Mm. they just have more consistency in their performance. You know, they know how to recreate it every week. And, Mm. And that's the interesting thing about what happens with GWS this year. Like, yeah. is are they still at that stage where, you know, next week they could just turn in a chocker because they're young and they've got ahead of themselves? Or are they at the point where they can start to recreate this on a consistent basis? And yeah. it's that thing you said about the stats on Hawthorne, is what Hawthorne, uh, you know, have the skill of being able to do, yeah. is just recreate performance and get it done. And, and that in itself is a skill. Yeah, 100%. Um, Melbourne were, uh, it was weird. Uh, did you see any of the game? I saw uh, highlights of Hogan's goals. Yeah, right. Well, he was pretty amazing, but they, it was almost like um, they just didn't play a defensive game or they don't have a defensive side to the game because the, the only tactics St Kilda was using was the overlap, which is where they just push all the forwards really high up the ground. And then, uh, you know, at a stoppage, the forwards would run back to the goal square. So we got like... I mean, I don't know, we kicked 20 goals and we got most of them over the back. And you would have thought at some stage that they would have either, you know, put players back or gone into a zone defense or something, but nothing changed the whole game. It was, that third quarter was insane. Like, there, it was virtually no opposition. Eight goals to one, I think it was. If it wasn't for Jesse Hogan, uh, he kicked like seven of their 13 goals or something. Seven goals straight with the worst kicking action in the AFL. <laughs> Yeah. Well, apart from Levi, apart from Levi Casbol, maybe Levi's got to start running up in the same way as Jesse Hogan does. Yeah, he's um, he's uh, he's just got 
a, he's a great reader of the play. That's the thing that sort of sets him apart. He, he's got that really athletic body and there's a lot of stuff he can do, but it's the footy smarts, Will. He's got a ton of footy smarts. That's his body positioning and reading the flight of the ball. Yeah, when you said he was a good reader, I, I imagine it's mostly of the ball rather than of classic novels from literature, but <laughs> sure, I get what you're saying. He's a great reader of Instagram. Yeah, he's a great reader of Zoo magazine and has been devastated since they... <laughs> Uh, Nick Revolt is uh, continuing his vintage form. He looks comfortable on a wing. Um, it's so funny, like, the parallels to, to Matthew Richardson in terms of, like, you know, where they're going in their careers. Because a similar kind of player like, covers a lot of ground. But he's actually, he's goal-kicking. Do you remember about five years ago, it was always a big question mark on him, was would he get the yips? Yeah. Or, but um, his goal-kicking the last two or three years has been so good again. When he kept, was drafted, he was sort of considered, like, a really accurate kick. Um, and then it sort of went away. I think the reason his kicking dropped off is because he would run fucking 20 kilometres a game, and then by the time right. <laughs> he had to have a shot on goal, he was absolutely spent. But uh, no, he looks good. I mean, he should play another year, I reckon. I mean, he's a great example. Every older player in the AFL is on Nick Rewalt's side this year because he had a, a limited preseason. He came back, you know, late, and everybody wants to see him to go really, really well so they can all have limited preseasons yeah. and come back late. <laughs> but the other thing about Rewalt is he's a classic example, I reckon, of somebody who, by playing on in a weaker team and not getting out when people kind of did after the premierships, there was a bit of talk of like, you know, mm. people have gone on to other, you know, I mean, well, a good example is, you know, you, you traded a couple of your really champion players yeah. to other teams yeah. and, and Rewalt stayed and it has only added to his legacy. I think what he's doing at the moment is really cementing himself as one of the all time greats of the AFL, which is not something that I necessarily would have even said about Nick Rewalt if he'd retired after those, yeah, you know, premiership, those yeah. Uh, you know, grand final years. But yeah. this extra bit of it has just really, I think, added a whole different layer to him as a like a as an AFL star. Do you think if he plays on one more year, he should retain the captaincy, or do you think there should be a kind of uh, like a mentoring year, on-field mentoring year? I mean, it's one of those things. If you have a captain who's ready to go, give him the captaincy. You know, yeah. I don't think Rewalt would have any problem. But you're like, but otherwise. Why would, why would you stop him leading the club? He's a great leader, and I think his leadership, that's the other thing about him, is I never thought he was, like, a great leader, but mm. I think in this period, he's really established himself as a leader and how he deals with the other players and his relationship to them. I feel like he's a different kind of leader. So, uh, to be honest, if he wanted it and they wanted him to have it and you didn't have anyone else yet, I just I, I wouldn't give it to anyone but him. It's funny. Um, I think the thing that's really changed his game as well is... Since it sort of became clear that we our premiership window had shut and we were in a rebuild, every interview you saw with Nick Revolt, he was always talking about obviously with his sister and you know having a kid and stuff. He was talking about you know football isn't the most important thing to him. You know that that it hurts thinking about those grand finals, but you know there's lots of other things to do in life, and he's loving traveling and you know spending half his time in the states. So I think that maybe he's just enjoying his football again. Um, there isn't that pressure to be St Kilda's next premiership captain. Yeah, I agree. But the way he's playing, he could be St Kilda's next premiership <laughs> captain. So keep playing, Nicky Iso. Uh, the next game uh, was over uh, Adelaide Oval, uh, where the Crows um, beat Freo. Not, nothing really uh, remarkable about the game, except for fucking, did you see Pavs 
Turning the clock back, he's grabbed, going back with the flight of the ball. No, I didn't see it. I'll have to look it up. Uh, I, I still love Pav. I'm glad that Pav, like, because it's this is he's the one who must be wondering whether he should have gone on or not. Because I think he went on because there was a chance they would have one more crack at it, and now he's just going to kind of play out a season. Yeah. So I hope he has a good time. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, he's still he's one of those, he's like a revolt type player in that it's not just whether his body holds up. It, he. They just the team looks better with him in it. He straightens them up. He's a leader. You know, he just uh, you've always got to worry about. You've got you always got to put a good defender on him. Um, he could go another year if he wanted to, but I don't know what's the incentive really. I mean, the great thing about him that people don't actually like give him credit for is that his nose uh, blocks it blocks out much of the effects of the Fremantle doctor on game days. And if you can just get in a nice air pocket behind his nose, you can really get some good ball over the back. Don't you reckon he looks like a grown-up handsome Milhouse from The Simpsons? Like if Milhouse <laughs> took off his glasses and grew tall and got kind of chiseled and shit, he'd look like Matthew Pavlich. Everything's coming up Pavlich. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Adelaide continue on their merry way. Eddie Betts did his fucking, you know, typical kick a goal from the pocket kind of stuff. But uh, they're, they're, they're good, Adelaide. Like, I think, you know, when you're talking about whose teams that are going to shape the, the top eight, like, I think Adelaide could even finish top four if they wanted. Um, they're just a good team. Uh, well, I think they probably want to. So, <laughs> if they want to. No, we don't want to, actually. We'd prefer to finish seventh and have a crack at it from there. We feel like that's really the spot. But... <laughs> No, I, I I agree. This could easily this could easily be Adelaide's year if they got. They're a good football side, and uh, if we if they you know, get on a roll at the right time of the season, they could definitely be in the mix at the end of it. They they're one of those teams like that. Like it's they've got a bit of that um, Hawthorne after Buddy left. Yeah. You know, Dangerfield leaving doesn't really seem to have hurt them at all. In fact, in any ways, in some ways, both Geelong and Adelaide are stronger. Yeah, definitely, a hundred percent. Um, the next game uh, was the arrival of the Giants uh, beating Hawthorne at Spotless Stadium. Uh, it was a fucking great game to watch, not for the contest, but just to see. I mean, the commentator said it a few times, but it's like watching Harlem Globetrotters. Like the way they fucking flick that ball around. I mean, their skills by hand and foot, they almost play it like basketball in a way. Like the ball is just constantly in motion and... They never miss. They're such a good team to watch. They're exciting. Yeah, they're going to be a super, super team. I mean, they're called the Giants. And, and it's the first time that I've really realised how ominous that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, like, totally. you know, when they've won, te- like when the Giants win every year, you're like, oh, hang on, we let them call themselves the Giants. <laughs> uh, Stevie J. Uh, fucking decided to turn it on. Do you think, knowing it was Hawthorne, like that's what got Stevie J. fired up? Five goals in the first half. I mean, it's one of those things where I love that all the stories this week are like, Geelong got rid of Stevie J too quick. It was a massive mistake by them. And, like, remember after first round, everyone was like, Stevie J's selfish and he shouldn't be playing there anymore. And he's just having a cracking season. Yeah, it was Stevie J kicks five goals in the first half and gives away a 100-metre penalty. It was vintage. <laughs> vintage Stevie J. <laughs> He, uh, did you see what the second 50 is for? He literally just punched Hodgie in the back of the head right in front of the umpire. Like, it was, it was so obvious. There was no way he wasn't going to give it away. I, I just, it's funny. They went after Hodgie. Did you notice that? 
Did you see this game? No, I didn't see the game, but I saw some uh, edited highlights of them intentionally yeah. going after Hodgie to hurt him. And he's hurt. I mean, he's out now. Yeah, what, what I love, um, I've loved about GWS for a, a couple of years is like, they weren't kind of shy kids coming into the game. They were all fucking, you know, junior level champions. So you get them into a team and they had no qualms about going up to players, you know, with 200 games experience and talking shit. And they loved it. Like you could see each time it was someone's turn to go up to Hodgie and fucking like give him a bump or get in his face or whatever. They, they weren't backing down. Look, Hodge, fucking hell, man. Like I'm, I'm scared even talking about him in bad terms on this podcast in case he finds out. Imagine going up to Luke Hodge and giving him shit. I mean, and now he has full time to track us down. Yeah. I mean, he's got some time, you know, he's got some time off footy. He's probably going to start listening to some podcasts and he's going to come and beat the fuck out of us <laughs> and take his frustration out on us. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think when Stevie Johnson hit him in the back of the head and just yelled out, if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> it was going a little bit too far. Yeah. So what do you reckon, uh, what do you reckon is the, is the best thing about GWS is it their midfield? Is it their fucking forward line? Uh, is it who's their their kids that uh, begins with an L? The Ruckman guy, the two hundred six centimeter who took eight contested marks or something, which was you know the record's fourteen. Lob, lob. I mean, where the fuck did he come from? Uh, I know they've got heaps of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I think the most impressive thing about them this year is how their defence works. Like, this is the thing that they've added to the game. I would have always said it was their midfield, but their forward line's really strong as well. But I think their defence is amazing. And, like, man, Reese Shaw, like, mm. remember? It was one of those things when he went to GWS, he was the one you were like, well, maybe this will be a bit like, you know, the Brisbane Bears. Maybe yeah, yeah. he is just going up to Sydney for heaps of money and he'll just, like, phone it in week to week and cash his checks and get on with it. But yeah. he's... Like, I mean, he's been super the last couple of years and he gives them that penetrating run and kind of carry and delivery out of defense that is, yeah, they've got a really good team. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, the only, the only thing that sort of makes, you know, keeps me level about this is that maybe St. Kilda, when we get our war chest at the end of the years, we can go up and just raid and just grab a couple there because they must have some guns in the twos who can't get a, can't get a game. So, that's what, I was, that's what I'm hoping is we treat GWS like a fucking, like a, our northern, St Kilda's Northern Academy. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, this is how it should kind of work. In that, like, there's going to be a point with these players that either heaps of them are going to have to take substantial pay cuts to stay together and be part of something. But we've never seen a team that is this naturally talented and like high draft picks across the board. There's got to be a point at some stage in that evolution. If you're a guy who's, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th on that team, or maybe even in and out a little bit of that team, and but you're a decent player and somebody comes along and offers you $600,000 a year, that you're mm. just going to take it. They're going to lose some of them eventually. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, do they have a standalone um, reserve side or is it, is, it, is it, where do their junior players, or their, their, their the twos play? Yeah, they have a team, I believe. Uh, I, I heard somebody say the other day that, that, that they thought if their seconds were playing in the AFL at the moment, they'd be about 10th. <laughs> Great. Um, should we move on to the next game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the, uh, the next game was Richmond versus Port Adelaide, where this is the game that Richmond just had to win, right? Yep. And they didn't. <laughs> they did not. They had 70, uh, they passed 71,000 members 
uh, this week or something like that. 71,000, 72,000, something ridiculous yeah. like that. And only 20, and only 22,000 people went to that game. I mean, that, that's an indication of, you know, where all the teams are at, I guess. The Tiger, the Tigers are killing it off the field. Mm. They're just going terribly on the field at the moment, but it is, I mean, you know, when, I watched a bunch of footy shows this week and, you know, Brendan Gale uh, was all over the you know, the footy shows explaining yeah. what was going on. They had people out and about in public. You knew it was one of those weeks where they were like, oh, we've got to start hosing some of this shit down. <laughs> Things are not good at Tigerland. I believe they call it damage control. <laughs> they were in damage control. They were not on Media Street, Charlie. They were in full damage control. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you see there was an article by Mark Robinson uh, the headline was something, you know, deliberately mis- uh, misleading, which was like, is Dimmer the best coach in the competition? <laughs> the thrust of the article being that, you know, maybe Richmond have, have actually been shit for a while and it was just Dimmer that was keeping them, uh, keeping them in the finals. I mean, there is an argument that could be made that way because when you look at their list, it doesn't look fantastic. Mm. You kind of look at it and go, hang on, how did these players actually play that well last year because a lot of these guys don't seem like I mean who's their best young player if you take Dusty Martin out of it who's their next best young player young player um, yeah oh, like, I don't know like uh, Ellis or I don't know I can't name one right and I think that's the problem yeah definitely I think that if, if they're going to be serious about this rebuild then one of Revolt Cochin Delidio Rance needs to get traded out by the end of the year and just get two first-round draft picks. That's what I think they need to do. Who would you trade? Out of that group? Yep. Um, Delidio. And who does Delidio go to? Uh, GWS. That's where... That's If I was head of recruiting, I'd be trying to do a deal with GWS right now because that's where the best young talent is. And is there value to GWS getting Delidio? I think so. Yeah, definitely. They they could eat. I mean, they could do. Delidio's not quite right yet, and he's sort of at the he's at the top end of of his career. So I reckon, yeah, no, that could be that could be a win win. I I definitely think it it's got to be a team that thinks they're in the premiership window, the famous yeah. premiership window. Um, I could see, you know, a North Melbourne. Uh, you know what? Delidio wouldn't be the worst at the Bulldogs if we lost one of those. Yeah, say for example, and I hope this does not happen, but say for example that Murphy. Um, did decide not to come back or felt like it was too hard after the knee to come back. Mm. I could imagine like a, a Bulldogs looking at a, a Delidio and there's a couple of young kind of Bulldogs in the seconds who aren't getting the opportunity. So I think some other teams would be, you know, or some guys who are in and out of the team who are you know, pretty good players, but perhaps aren't getting the opportunities that they might get at a Richmond. So I reckon the Bulldogs could be interested in. I think whatever deal Richmond do, it won't. They won't be looking for a direct swap. I'd say it would be like a three-way. They want draft picks. Whatever, whoever they're trading with, yeah, they'll go to a low team and get draft picks, or they'll do like a three-way deal with the Bulldogs, with the Bulldogs on on trade someone to you know like a Carlton and get a draft pick or something like that. But I think they need to go. They need to go to the draft. They need to get young talent. And they need to get it quickly. So you you take one of their top five players and get two draft picks. I think that that makes about that makes sense to me. Do you think Richmond fans though would put up with the idea that you're going to go back that far? Like you're going to get rid of well, like you know some real? They fucking have to, don't they? Like you know, it's like it's, time is not going to become undone unless uh, you know Jack Revolt's going to fly around the world and, and spin it in reverse Superman style. I don't know what else they can do. Like. 
the, the, I guess the only anger could be coming from the idea that shit, like maybe we can get it together, but I don't think they can. I think they're kind of in that well, Fremantle boat. No, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think they can either with what they've got. But the thing that we've just got to constantly remember is Richmond do this all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. to the point... To the point where uh, I heard a great story during the week of like when um, I think I can't remember if it was Brendan Gale or if it was the president of Richmond, uh, Peggy O'Neill or whoever it was. I guess it might have been Brendan or somebody like under him. Mm. But when people would send in their rich, like, uh, yeah, basically yep. at the start of the season, you know, angry Richmond fans will like mail back their membership. They'll cut it up and they'll <laughs> mail it back into the club. Yeah. And that. so in- instead of throwing it out, what they would do is keep them all just like, you know, in the office and then later in the season when they were going well and like these people with these members would contact the club and be like oh I seem to have lost my membership somewhere I can't find my card can you can you send a new one out they would just get the old one and send it back to them that's the cut up brilliant one. <laughs> oh, I want Richmond to make the finals just off that anecdote <laughs> Uh, the next game was down at Skilled Stadium where the Cats just fucking went bang on the Suns. No uh, no love for Ablett. They didn't hold back. They just went nuts. And um, it was a brutal, brutal loss. 120 points. Um, yeah. I think if you were at Gold Coast now, you, alarm bells have to start ringing. Finals teams don't lose games by 120 points. Yeah, I, I look. That, apparently, they had an honesty session after the game. <laughs> We're honestly shit out. Yeah, I love an honesty session. They had like apparently a really big honesty session after the game, where everybody like basically said, "Here we go." No Gold Coast player was spared in a lengthy honesty session following Saturday night's embarrassing 120 point loss. Mm. Uh, the Suns leadership group took charge in the two hour review on Monday morning giving the players the chance to speak frankly with each other. Everyone from skipper Gary Ablett to first-year player Mackenzie Willis was in the firing line. Fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, what, but what criticism do you level at Gaz? Mate, you're, you're too good. Uh, you're too much of a perfectionist. Uh, you work too hard. Uh, you, your dad murdered someone. Oh. Allegedly. <laughs> no, didn't didn't murder. Mate, you don't Just take any inflammatories. Go. You make a mockery of our sports science division. Yeah, I mean I don't know what you do. I um here's the thing I would say about it is uh, th- they have been crueled by injury a bit, Gold Coast. Yes. Like they've had a really tough run with injuries. Obviously the injury to Ablett and he's not fully fit yeah. at the moment. You can tell that he's still not quite right. You could he went for a few tackles and stuff, only using one of his arms, and there was a whole there was a whole bunch of things. But also, when you think about the fact of like Swal- their versions of Toby Green and Coniglio and all those sort of people are, are you know Jager O'Meara and David Swallow mm. and guys like that who they just can't. I mean, Jager O'Meara in the couple of games he actually played looked like he could have been the best player in the entire league. Yeah, he's awesome. And they they just haven't been able to get those guys on the field. Plus, they got rid of Dixon, um, who should have been a good player, but obviously wasn't playing as well. And um, they lost Trelaw as well. So you, that's yeah. that thing of going, well, these are, no, these are some guys. No, Tre- Trelaw was from G- oh, no, GWS. Oh, no, was GWS. Yeah. You're right. Sorry. They lost someone else. Who did they lose at the end of the last season? Oh, um, Bunnell. Oh, yeah. Who, again, was a gum player, but obviously had some, some other issues mm. that they had to deal with. So they, they've lost, like, you know, if they had all those players in the team, 
they'd be they'd be a much better team than they are at the moment. Yeah, but still though, like that's a that's an absolute thumping. Like good teams, like they just they don't they don't get thrashed like that. They find a way to stay in the game. They lock it down. It's just uh, it, it make it just if they don't have the depth to cover you know the five or so gun players they're missing, then yeah, I, you just can't. Or I can't back him going through the whole season. No, I think, look, I mean, I think, I don't think they'll make the eight, but I think they, I still think they might be around about, like some, somewhere between like eight and 12. I don't think they're going to bottom out. They just had, I mean, it's also very, very, very easy to get belted up down at the Cattery. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting ground now that they spend a bit of money on it. Um, so from, they've got the, a new grandstand that you can clearly see where your car's getting broken into. <laughs> In the car park. <laughs> well, it holds 30-odd thousand, and they've got 50,000 members. So what happens each week is um, the 30,000 who get in, the other 20,000 rock up, and they just go through their cars. <laughs> uh, the next game was on Sunday. Uh, was the Brisbane Lions uh, versus the Sydney Swans. And the game that Campbell Brown categorically states was a fix. Um, just on Campbell Brown, I'm, I'm just checking out his... His Instagram page and his little uh, motto under his under his profile is everything good in life is worth overdoing. Moderation is for cowards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a guy who needs to be hair tested. <laughs> next game? What's the well, next game? The next game was versus Brisbane. Brisbane. Oh, that, yeah, that yeah. was the, that was that game. Yeah, Sorry. so it was actually uh, it was a really good game. After I mean, it looked like in the first quarter Sydney were going to blow them away. And then Brisbane just clawed their way back. It was frustrating. Like you, you sort of felt like Brisbane were going to win that game. Sydney were, were, were lucky, um, but it's just uh, Brisbane have they look they look okay at the Gabba and they look terrible away. They need to start winning games at home, and they need to start playing a little bit better. If they, they can lose away from the Gabba, that's fine. They just need to put in better efforts, um, but they need to start winning games like that. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things where. Uh, they're, they're not bad. I reckon if you're a Brisbane fan, yeah, you're in for an okay season. Yeah, and Dane, I like that Dane Zorko's having a fucking great season. Right. And I reckon um, you'd be happy with Leper as coach, I reckon. I reckon yeah. he's, even the fact, even the way that he went out after that decision. Yeah, I loved it. I was like, you, yeah, right? Yeah. I loved that. I loved it. The way he, he, the, the belly contained like, it wasn't actually rage. It was more like, it was so obvious what had happened. He literally, he put the question back on the reporter. He was like, so yeah, I'm annoyed. Wouldn't you be? <laughs> it's like, fuck yes. Mate, I, I, my favourite thing that he kept repeating, which was the, my favourite bit of that press conference, and he was going, and then a guy, like, basically falls over, over his own and feet. gets a cramp. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Falls over his own feet. Said it twice. Dropped, yeah. falls over his own feet twice. I'm like, wow, you yeah. are really going hard after this. Yeah. Some idiot, some Mr. Bean, <laughs> has falls over. Some baby fucking gazelle can't find his bloody legs. Right. Trips over himself. Nearly kills one of my players. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think... Sydney, you can say they've been playing really well this year. They had an off day. Who knows? I'm not sure if it was Sydney playing badly or Brisbane playing really well, but it's a fun game to watch. I mean, Buddy just continues to be Buddy. It's just such a it's such a privilege to live in an era where a player like that exists with his specific skill set. He just said that goal he kicked from outside 50, just off one step. I mean, the great news is, as long as he keeps playing like this for the next 12 years, that contract will be justified. (laughs) 
No, I, I mean, no, I agree. He's years, had a great right? season, though. How many did he? How many did he kick? Uh, I'm not sure. Can you look that up, Michael? I think it was his regulation four, maybe three or four, four or five. He's, he's had Franklin. a really good start to the season. So consistent. Yeah, he um, he's he's really has. Uh, after the way last year finished, I was like, oh shit, like you know. Who knows what's going to happen with Buddy, but it's it's. I think it's good for football to have him playing well and seeming to enjoy his footy again. Right, and also, by the way, we just asked our American producer to find out how many Buddy kicked without ever telling him that uh, his name is Lance Franklin, and that's who we wanted to know about, because we've just been talking about this guy, Buddy, and I'm sure Michael's like, hey, Buddy, shut the fuck up. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, while Mike, uh, Mike Howell uh, looks up that, we'll... Go on to the next game, which was... Oh, shit. Yeah, which, uh, hang on. Just, just oh, before yeah. we move on, um, who else was good for the Swans? Like, what, what was... Did, uh, did anyone else kind of impress you for the Swans? Uh, yeah, well, Parker played his normal brilliant game. I mean, he was the one who kind of kicked the winning goal for the Swans. Um, they're just a good... They're, they're just... You know who's actually a good player that you just forget is, like, Heath Grundy. Right. In their back line. Like, they have, like, a really solid 200-plus defender... Um, who just he, like he just gets the job done every week. They're, they're looking really good, Sydney. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win the flag this year. I think that um, they just have that right blend of uh, like young guns, but also experience. But their experienced players have all had heaps of finals experience and grand final experience as well. But he kicked five three, so uh, he was above he was above his uh, his normal weekly output. Should we move on to the next game? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, it was an absolute blockbuster between Carlton and Essendon. If you thought you saw a bad game the week before between Carlton and Frio, this was like this was like the sequel where you're like, shit, I've seen this game. <laughs> I've seen this game before. Something's different. Oh, he's got a new villain, but still. <laughs> oh, this this is this is uh, oh uh, this is uh, international gigolo. I say. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was. When I turned it on, it was the third quarter, and I thought that, I don't know, maybe I had it on delay or something, because there had been four goals kicked for the game in the third quarter. And then uh, what I heard is that there hadn't been a goal kicked since the 25-minute mark of the first quarter. So those fucking fans waited something like at least over an hour to see a goal scored in this game. And then it was an avalanche of three goals for the quarter. It was... um, yeah, it was diabolical. I think for Essendon, something's happened in the past couple of weeks where, you know, they started with such enthusiasm and they beat the demons and stuff, but they are actually now starting to play like the team that you think they are. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for them. It's going to be a very long season. That would have been one of those ones that they would have marked down as possibly being winnable, I would have thought. Yeah. And uh, they'd be disappointed about how it went. Daisy played well again. Da- Daisy Thomas is a bit of a highlight for Carlton this year. Yeah. He's had a couple of good games now, and he's starting to really move and look like he, he might get back to being a half-decent player, I reckon. Yeah. Well, you know, he's a, he seems to... I miss the old Daisy. I miss the kind of uh, mop, mop-haired Daisy. Like, it's kind of... I don't trust this new short back and sides Daisy. You know what I mean? I liked it better when he looked like Trey Parker from um, no Trey Parker. What's his name? Trey Parker from South Park. Yeah, is that his name? <laughs> I like uh, I think I like the thing about um, yeah. Maybe we sh- should get Daisy to grow back the hair. Yeah. Maybe it's like it's like Sam- it's like Samson. Yeah. We need to like you know you don't want to prune the Daisy. You have got to let the Daisy bloom. Because he's almost unrecognizable. 
Because it's that in that Carlton that Carlton jumper looks funny on him because I think he's he's always had a bit of a hunch or something and it's just something about the way that jumper sits on him. It just it doesn't look right to me. So I'm happy for him, but it looks odd. <laughs> I just I'm not into it yet. This you know it's like when you see CGI that's so close to realism. It's that uncanny valley thing. I'm just sort of looking at Daisy in that Carlton jumper and the short back inside. I'm like mm, it's Daisy, but it's not quite. It's not real. It's not the Daisy you know and love. No. Uh, it was a pretty like horrendous game to watch, but, man, you could take some of those highlights, put it on YouTube with the Benny Hill music, and it would be the funniest viral video going around. Like, missed handballs, uh, missed kicks, just uh, just a, a, like a, a, a collection of Little League highlights sometimes. It was just uh, appalling. <laughs> and then the last game of the round... Uh, was West Coast uh, uh, beating Collingwood, doing you know winning by as much as we we kind of predicted last week. But I think uh, Collingwood actually got into it within a goal in the third quarter, and they seemed to have some momentum. And it's like, oh, here we go. This is the Collingwood. You know, the Collingwood always traditionally travel quite well, but um, I think they'd sort of spent all their tickets just trying to catch up to to the Eagles. Who Mark Lacroix, the little Frenchman, is that what they call him? The little French bastard. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that little French prick. Uh, he, he was awesome. He he was back in form. Kicked an amazing goal. He actually, I think he's been watching Eddie Betts over the past year and is like, fuck that. If Eddie can do it, so can I. He kicked an amazing goal running into the running to the boundary line. How was Josh Kennedy's beard? Ah, uh, good. Rugged. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think if you just put him in a, a red flannel shirt, give him an axe... <laughs> He's good to go. <laughs> um, Collingwood looked like they got beat up in the rucks. That's yeah. what I... Like, I saw a yeah. few highlights and it looked like Nata Nui made, like, Brody, Brody Grundy look like he brought his kid to fucking school day. Like, it was... Yeah. It was pretty brutal. I think the best thing... I think the only person from Collingwood watching that and being wrapped would be Trav. Because that's what it looked like, is they they needed, like, a bigger, stronger body in there. So... I'd say even this week they'll probably drop Grundy and bring and bring Cloak back in. I think Cloak had a fairly okay game in the twos, enough to be recalled. But yeah, Nat Nui was just fucking all over them. It's good to see Nat Nui playing well. He's he's one of those players. You know, we talked at the start of the show about you know Eagles players, uh, Eagles supporters being a bit sort of cautious on the Eagles, and I think that Nick Nat Nui sort of encapsulates that frustration. It's like obviously brilliant and can play, but inconsistent. Yeah, although he's had a couple of All-Australian years, so it's not like he's you know that inconsistent. But I know what you mean. His good stuff's so good that you sometimes wonder why can't he do that all the time. But I think the confidence of nearly killing Aaron Sanderlands has... <laughs> it's just got him... It's, it's that taste of blood, you know? I mean, how are you going to be intimidated by anyone when you've beaten the biggest giant in the land? You know, you've bested him. You've taken... You've you, Essentially, what Nick Natadui has done is the equivalent of walking up to a mountain, kicking it, and the mountain falls down. Yeah. That's got to give you some confidence going into other games, I would have thought. Yeah, 100%. He... He climbed down the beanstalk with the goose that lays the golden eggs <laughs> and Sanderlands came tumbling down from the clouds behind him. Uh, we should look ahead to next week. Mark, how could you uh, bring up uh, the fixture for next week, please? All right, first game Beautiful. is uh, Friday night. It's uh, Richmond versus Hawthorne. And, uh, oh boy, <laughs> the school bully got his pants pulled down last week and now he's going to find Nerdlinger and take it out on him. 
I mean, sometimes what happens is that it's not your fault, but you cop it anyway. Yeah. Like sometimes when you see someone yelling at a parking inspector or whatever, and you go, this isn't about the parking ticket. This is about something that's going on at home and you're just taking it out on this poor arsehole who gave you a little ticket. That's what it... I mean, well, this could go two of, one of two ways. Either Hawthorne smashes them, which mm. I think is what will happen, yeah. or Richmond, against all odds, beat last year's uh, premiers and uh, kind of start to turn their season around. But it's got to be Hawthorne, you'd think. I'm going to say no. Because I think that win for Richmond is coming against all odds, but the stakes aren't quite high enough yet. Like, to be pure Richmond, it's going to have to be even more dramatic, even more unexpected. And I don't think they're at that point yet. Like, if this was, you know, uh, the hero's journey, any Hollywood film, they have to get to the end of the second act and completely implode before the triumphant, you know, rise. I think that things have to get a bit more crisis mode before they'll have that win. So I reckon Hawks, Hawks will win that easily. I, I, you know you're saying about crisis. I yeah. mean, they are missing their two best players. Cochin's not playing, I don't think, this weekend. And uh, they've already got um, Rance out. Oh, is Rance back this week? No, Has no. he served his two weeks? No, no. no he's he's got still one got one more to go. Yeah. So, I mean, they're pretty backs against the wall. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. I think they just need a bit more drama. It's not They haven't got quite enough of a crowd yet for them to do a Richmondy thing. Uh, the next game is the Pies taking on the Blues. In actually what I think will be, they'll get big numbers to this, and it should be a pretty good game. They're quite evenly matched at this stage. Carlton having won two in a row, and Collingwood coming off a loss to, to West Coast. I think that sort of brings them down about level. Or lifts Carlton up about level. Uh, quite evenly matched is a lovely way of saying they're both shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I reckon Collingwood have got to win this. If they lose to Carlton, then they are in even more trouble than... You know, I know Buckley's just signed for another year, but if Collingwood lose to Carlton, there is going to be trouble down there. And, like, I've been talking to some Collingwood fans who aren't going to the games anymore, and they have turned on Nathan Buckley. Oh, really? There's not a... Yeah, there's not a lot of love for Nathan Buckley amongst the Collingwood fans I've been talking to of late. Really? That's interesting. I always thought he was their James Hurd. Well, maybe he will be. (laughs) Mate, I mean, we've said this before, but the three greatest players of that generation, Buckley, uh, Hurd, and Voss... Uh, it looks like, unless something miraculous happens, all will have turned out to not have been great coaches. Yeah, fuck, that's. Crazy. I mean, I think there's some. I think there's something in the theory that, like in this modern day and age, great players don't necessarily make great coaches. You yeah. know, I mean, if you look at if you look around the league, most of the teams are coached by people who weren't champion players now, mm. and most of them like like were kind of more hard because that theory of. That the ones who had to work hard for it know how to work hard for it, whereas the ones that came a little more naturally to or that operated at a higher level maybe don't have the you know skills to convey that to the... I mean, I'm not sure exactly what it is. There's been people throughout history who are obviously great players. I mean, Lee Matthews, as always, is the exception to every rule Yeah. Uh, because he was a you know, great player and great coach. Yeah. But Mal- there might be some... Malcolm might- Blight. Yeah. There's, there's, I think it's just I think it's a six of one half dozen the other. Just there's different personality types. Malcolm Blight was a super player, was a super coach. I think that can happen. I think Malcolm Blight was a super player and an okay coach, but I'm not sure that you could have a Malcolm Blight style coach in the AFL now and that be successful. Well, no, I think by the time I think he was a good coach when he was at Geelong and Adelaide. I think it was by the time he got to St Kilda, he was he was retired. It, that was 
our mistake. I mean, we were, we're the one who ruined his reputation. <laughs> we're the ones who dropped a million dollars on his doorstep to come coach us for a year. So I think you could put Malcolm Blight in that category. He was a good coach. But okay, well, apart from Malcolm Blight and Lee Matthews, <laughs> in, the last, in the last 20 or 30 years, who, who are champion players who have also been champion coaches? Uh, Ken Judge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's been a lot of good players. Yeah. But you wouldn't have said... And like, you know, Alistair Clarkson wasn't a, a great player. He was a good footballer. The Scott brothers were very good Alistair Clarkson was a prick of a player. I fucking hated him when he played the North. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Alistair Clarkson might not be the world's greatest individual, but he's a fucking <laughs> great football coach. <laughs> I mean, he's mad for yelling at a kid at junior footy or smashing a wall and punching people and whatever, getting in fights with fans. He may not be the nicest bloke in the entire world, but that skill set uh, does seem to be good for winning premierships. What I'd love to see at the end of this Collingwood-Carlton game is for Daisy to kick a bag and then for him to run oh, to yeah. the stands and hug Mick Malthouse. <laughs> <laughs> just to just to really piss off the Pies fans. Uh, I mean, it'd be great if Mick Malthouse... Are they playing for the Mick Malthouse Cup? Is that... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the Memorial Mick Malthouse Cup? Yeah. <laughs> that's a vocal warm-up. Memorial Mick Malthouse Cup. Uh, the next... Ga- oh. I hope Mick goes. Mick should go to the game and he should sit somewhere that it's very... Go and sit next to Eddie. Yeah. That'd be fun. Mick, Mick and Eddie. Uh, the next game is down at Skilled Stadium. It's uh, the Cats taking on West Coast. So, you know, the, all the buzz about West Coast has been they have to win one on the road. There's probably no game tougher than this one. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, a tough, it's tough to win down there. Um, and Geelong are in pretty good form. But this one, this is one of those ones that could easily go either way, I reckon. Nah, but no I, I way. Would say, I, Not easily. I think if West Coast, West Coast win, it'll be an upset. If, yes, but if West Coast are to be grand finalists again this year, if they are to equal what they did last year, I feel like this is a game that West Coast has to win. They have to start beating teams away from home who are also exactly. going to be in the finals mix. So, uh, look, I think Geelong will win, but it's one that West Coast kind of... I, I think it's a very important game for West Coast. Yeah. The next game is up at the SCG where the Swans take on the Bombers. And kind of like the Hawthorne-Richmond game, you get the feeling that Sydney need to kind of just show the competition again that last week was an aberration. Yeah, this is going to... There may be a mercy rule in this game. (laughs) Seriously, though, I feel like... How how many goals could Buddy kick at the SCG against Essendon? I mean, he could get 10 at least, I reckon. I reckon he could get 10 this week. And it's one of those games where... I mean, I don't know. Are Sydney the sort of team that will brutally destroy Essendon? Or are they a team that will hold it off a little bit? Do they have that killer instinct where they, they'll grind an Essendon into oh, the ground? Oh, fuck yeah. No, definitely. I think they'll do it just as a, a side effect of being so talented. Like, on that ground right. with that midfield, they won't help. They can't help but move the ball fucking swiftly and skillfully into their forward line where their gun full forward is going to kick a goal from outside 50 or on an angle or on the run, whatever you want. They're just... They're engineered to destroy teams at that ground, and I think they're coming up against, you know, the worst team in the competition. Yeah, Sydney might do more damage to Essendon than Stephen Dank did this weekend. <laughs> uh, up at Metricon, the Gold Coast Suns take on the Demons. Uh, Demons need to bounce back, need to make a statement. So do the Gold Coast Suns. Who makes the biggest statement, Will? I mean, it's a hard one, isn't it? It's like Melbourne are, I think, technically a better team than Gold Coast at the moment. They seem to have more stars and across the field. 
Gold Coast are a little bit more formidable up there, and after their their honesty, honesty session, session, like I mean, it's it'll just be it'll be good to see what the results of the honesty session were. I mean, it may manifest itself in a bad way. Maybe they won't. Maybe Ablett won't pass it to anyone else. He's like, I did not appreciate your honesty. <laughs> I didn't want to hear those truth bombs. I don't yeah. like what you said about my dad. I hate you now. Yeah. Can we please have a dishonesty session next week? Just to balance the ledger. Yeah. I would love to see that. We're going really badly. So uh, what we had is a two-hour dishonesty <laughs> session where we just we blew smoke up each other's asses. It was fantastic. Yeah, we Rocket, like, you'll be hey, coaching. Leave- Rocket, you'll be coaching here next year for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, Gary, I think you were right not to use the anti-inflammatories. <laughs> I think that's fair enough, mate. Good on you. <laughs> Uh, your boys, the Mighty Bulldogs, take on uh, the Adelaide Crows at Etihad Stadium on Saturday evening. Uh, we guess, I guess this is the game where you can finally get revenge for 97 and 98. <laughs> and the uh, final last year, of course. Oh, yeah, and the final yes. last year, of course. Well, that's actually a good um, game. If it, I didn't realise it's, uh, it's the replay of the final last year, which was an excellent game, which you guys were leading in the last quarter and then lost. So maybe there is some extra motivation. Sorry, mate. Uh, the line dropped out. I didn't hear a thing you were saying there. Oh, I said... So, no. no. Go on. <laughs> oh, you no, I actually you didn't hear you. I just, <laughs> I just pretended the line dropped out that time. Um, so, look, I think the Bulldogs are motivated. They mentioned it straight after last week's game. Like, Bontempelli talked about it when he was doing his, like, uh, interview after the game. I think because of the Talia brothers thing, you know, there's a lot of bitterness at the Bulldogs because the game plan was leaked to Adelaide, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, last year. And then the Bulldogs think that that was like swept under the rug and the, you know, the, the inquiry didn't actually do much inquiring and just wanted it to go away. Mm. And I think the Bulldogs think they should have won that final. So yeah, I think there's a lot on the line for the Bulldogs. We're going in undermanned, but they want to win. I think the Bulldogs really, really, really want to win this one. And I'm, I'm not going to tip against them because, like, even though I think Adelaide probably will go in favourites, I feel like this is one the Bulldogs want to win. And if we're going to be top four or top six, it's one that we, I think we have to win. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm going to tip the Crows. I think that uh, they're playing really good football and they play well at Etihad. They're one of the few interstate teams that actually know how to play Etihad. Uh, over at Penis Arena, uh, Fremantle are taking on the Giants in well, it's, it's actually a fairly lopsided round. This one, isn't it? It can be. I mean, it could be. Yeah. I, I mean, I think GWS. I mean, look, GWS. I don't know if they've won in, in the Western Australia before. So, I mean, that might be something. Mm. It's a it's a long way away, and that trip over there can you know do things to you. But I mean, you'd think on paper GWS win that by a heap. Here's what I'll say about GWS. They are playing the kind of footy at the moment where. It doesn't matter who they're playing, if it's going to be a good game, whatever. You just want to see them play. Like, it's just so awesome <laughs> to watch how those guys... Been. Kellen Ward, fucking hell, man. Like, I mean, I know, you know, you said that Bulldog supporters didn't begrudge him for taking the money and all that kind of stuff. But, oh, God, can you imagine what he would bring to your team? He's such an awesome player. He's brave. He's fucking skillful. He's aggressive. He's a fucking gun. Yeah, thanks for like telling me how hot my girlfriend was after she left me. <laughs> like, no, I agree. I mean, he's he. 
he's the one. I, I think he is a superstar player, and he's been amazing for them. They would be so wrapped with the leadership he's shown for that club. But also, you know, when you look at guys like Scully, you know, mm. guys that I think when they first drafted Scully, people there was a bit of a knock on him, and people were like he's never going to be as good as they thought he. But man, like he has really over the last couple of seasons become again one of those players that you just rely on every week to do a good enough. And now they've got a bunch of them. They've got such great combination. But you're absolutely right. They're one of those teams that you like to watch them play. The way they play is so entertaining. Yeah. And it's just, a, it is a show and it's really fun. Who knows? Let's see if they, maybe they'll get a little cocky after smashing Hawthorne. You could imagine maybe, you know, a bit of travel. Maybe it goes their heads a bit and it could get to them. But, geez, you think that GWS might, that one might be really, really brutal. I think they're kind of like, I think they're so skillful, though, that even if they, even if they tried to break Booney's record on the flight over there, they could still, their, 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 their inherent skill would get them across the line that that could have fucking team. I mean, I, I, they're just so young and vibrant, Charlie. It's like they've got a team of twinks. <laughs> I, I, w- I will be pissed off, though, if a team from Sydney's western suburbs wins a premiership before a team from fucking Melbourne's western yeah, suburbs. Yeah, that would be fucking shit-ass. Uh, on Sunday, the Saints are taking on North, a home game at Etihad Stadium against the current league leaders. Um, look, I think that, to quote Tony Short, did you hear he said this week, uh, the longer the game goes on, the big guys get bigger. <laughs> rather get than, bigger? Yeah. Rather than, the, the, the saying is normally uh, big guys don't get any smaller, <laughs> but Tony Short thought he'd put right. an extra spin on it and say the big guys get bigger. Uh, and actually I think, get bigger. They expand yeah. mid-game. Do I, they cryogenically freeze them or something before the game and then they naturally expand as the game goes on? Is that what he's thinking? I think it's more like some Ant-Man technology, you know, how they could actually shrink him down, but they also, in the sequel, are hinting at the fact that they can make him Giant Man as well. It's something related to that. Or maybe it's like, oh, actually, all our big players are anaphylactic, so we rub nut oil on them mid-game and they just swell a bit in the last quarter. It's great. Yeah, I think they're giants. They're three giants, Petrie, Waite, and Brown, because um, we have a fairly undersized back line. Um, I think we can maybe match it with them. I think the midfields will be fairly evenly matched. Um, but my feeling of this is that by the end, it, 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 it's, it's just how long you can hold back the tide when you've got players in your forward line that you can just bomb it into and, you know, the majority of the time you'll get a score. I think yeah, that's what we're going to be fighting against. But I'm willing to be surprised. I'm really loving what Alan Richardson is doing. I love the game plan that he's got the players playing. And it really, there seems to be a big buy-in. You know, after that GWS lost uh, last week, I'm not sure if they had an honesty session, but, you know, Alan Richardson in his press conference, he just kind of said that, the most disappointing thing wasn't, you know, the fact that they kicked a low score or whatever. It was just the lack of appetite for a contest. And so then against Melbourne, that's the way the Saints responded. And that's what I what I like about it. So if he can get them hungry, who knows? Yeah, I reckon this is one of those games. I'm not sure that... Well, I mean, here's the thing. North Melbourne are going for seven in a row. And it, like the more you win, eventually there's going to be one that you drop. Yeah. Um, St. Kil- St Kilda are in pretty good nick. But I think... I have a suspicion that North Melbourne's game plan... I don't think St Kilda's... Style, I reckon St Kilda have a great game plan against teams who are playing a similar style of football mm. because, I, I mean, against the Bulldogs, that was what I was impressed with. They do that clogging up the lanes and mm. getting in the way of that kind of, you know, that sort of press and running forward. 
But North Melbourne play a slightly different game because of their tours and because of Goldstein's dominance, mm. like in the middle. I just, I feel like this is one that North North will probably win. I would yeah. say. Tom Hickey had a pretty good game. He's having a really good year. He went up against Max Gorn, who arguably was the informed ruckman of the competition. And we lost the hitouts by 10, I think. But in terms of around the ground, it was fairly evenly matched. So he's gone from Gorn to Goldstein. He's a 24-year-old ruckman who's really only just starting to play good footy. It's a pretty tough task. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a great result. There's a lot to like about St Kilda, but I finally believe in North Melbourne. Yes. So, so, so North Melbourne. Okay, the last game of the round is Port Adelaide taking on the Brisbane Lions at Adelaide Oval. Um, I reckon this will be quite a good game. I reckon that the, the Lions will be smarting after last week, and I don't know who Port are getting back this week, but if they don't get too many superstars back, then they're fairly evenly matched. Yeah, I agree with that, but Brisbane don't travel well, so I reckon Port will win it. And if Port lose that then, because I think Port are still teasing a bit. You know, there's that thing where people are like, well, Port could still, like, make the finals if they, you know, get it together. If they lose this, I think their year's over. I think Port. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, And that's it. So... Wow, we made it through this episode. It's been uh, uh it was heavy. It's it was heavy going, guys. I ho- I hope that it was okay to listen to. I'm sorry to Mike Hell, our producer, who is going to have a nightmare uh, trying putting, to trying to put that together. Yeah, look, I'm sure it'll sound. I'm sure it'll sound wonderful. We uh, managed to get through an entire episode without using the word jet, uh, or mentioning Job, uh, or mentioning um, uh, uh, Joe Danaher's tiny head. So we apologise. I mean, t- I mean, technically, you just you. Technically, you just did both of those things. And Mike Hall has just reminded us we didn't say leader of men either. So we'll get back to uh, our regular programming next week, hopefully. Uh, do you have anything you need you to... Did say, you, you did say 100% at least three times, maybe four. <laughs> <laughs> that, totally. How's, there's one for you. Uh, I don't have anything to plug other than our other podcast, TOFOP, T-O-F-O-P. Uh, you can find that on the internet and then all the associated podcasts that go off that. All right, uh, is that it? We're done. I think. Yeah, I think we're done. We still don't have no way to end, right? No, we don't. Um, well, oh, how does uh, it... here's how we uh, go, yeah, go, go Bulldogs, go Saints. <laughs> I love it. We are two guys.